Welcome to the Global Band Room, a podcast that brings you stories, news and great guests from across the world of wind, brass, marching band and drum corps. My name is Keith Kelly and I'm a band director from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands and how they're making an impact on their communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at globalbandroom.com and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Global Bandroom. And now on with the show. Welcome back to the Global Bandroom. This week I am headed to my nearest neighbours here in Ireland, to the UK, and I'll be talking to John Paul Windham of the Brentwood Youth Imperial Band, a really stunning military-style band for young people in London. But first, some news. So I've mentioned that DCI have announced their celebration tour recently, uh, but for many of us around the world it may not be possible, uh, probably isn't possible for us to get to finals this year or to the celebration tour finale. So DCI have introduced the virtual sound sport competition this year. And this is an opportunity for bands and musicians around the world to take part in this year's DCI celebration tour. To take part, all you need to do is submit a video of up to 11.5 minutes that has been recorded after March of 2020. Now there's two classes in this. There's medalist class, which is a class for bands that can gather in person. So regardless of the age of your performers and the size of your performance area, whether you're on the move or stationary, your music ensemble can participate in the Soundsport medalist class to spotlight your unique talents and creativity to the DCI community and the world. And there's a virtual ensemble class, and I know this will be close to the heart of many of the people that follow the Global Band Room. This is designed for ensembles of any size who are unable to gather in person. So you create your virtual ensemble by collecting performance videos from each participant and then meld them together into one audio video package. All ages of performers are welcome. So you can find out more about both of these classes over at dci.org or on our website, globalbandroom.com, and you can also reach out to me at keith at globalbandroom.com. Now, while we're talking about DCI, the DCI fan experience has just been launched again for 2021, after taking a break, obviously, for 2020. Since 2018, I've been working with DCI to create a truly VIP experience for fans visiting Indianapolis for finals week. This year will be the first opportunity to hear drum corps in almost two years for many people. And with the fan experience, you get great tickets and accommodation, as well as some exclusive access throughout the weekend. So you can find out more about that at groupexperience.com, which is part of the Kaleidoscope Adventures family. And you can also, again, contact me at keith at globalbandroom.com. Now, lastly, Uh, Big news for the Association of Concert Bands this weekend. They had their AGM and their general membership meeting is this weekend. And friend of the podcast, Gail Brechting, will officially become the president of the Association of Concert Bands. I'm so incredibly proud of her and all the work that she's done over the last number of years as president-elect, alongside the outgoing president, Susan Sands. I know that one of Gail's major goals for her presidency is to extend the international reach of the organisation. So here's my call out to all the directors to celebrate Gail's presidency this weekend. Head over to Facebook and like the Association of Concert Bands. And then, if you have time, head over to acbands.org and find out more about this great community of concert bands and musicians. 
that will be a great way to celebrate her presidency. And now over to our interview with JP Wyndham from the Brentwood Youth Imperial Band. So I'm delighted today to be joined by John Paul Wyndham from the Brentwood Imperial Youth Band. Um, obviously, I'm based here in Ireland, but I haven't actually had that much of an opportunity to talk to my neighbours in the UK. So it's great to actually talk to uh, to John, to John Paul today. Uh, John Paul, how are you? Great, mate. We're more than neighbours. We're practically cousins, mate. we are absolutely uh yeah i mean you know i talk to people in the u.s all the time thousands and thousands of miles away and and i you know the uk is right on my doorstep and 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 we we haven't talked enough um so you're with the brentwood imperial youth band and for anyone that doesn't know that band and and might like to have a quick look at seeing what this band is before they start getting deep into this interview brentwoodyouthband.org.uk is where you can go and you can see uh, pictures of the band and how fantastic they look and if you've never seen or if you've ever seen the uh, British Guards Division bands the red uniforms and and the the, the way, that very British military look the British the Brentwood Imperial U band has has a very similar style and I want to kind of talk to John Paul today a little bit about all of that history but tell me a little bit about yourself John Paul and and maybe the, the history of the Brent, Brentwood Imperial U band uh, it's it's not incredibly old yeah, as, as some bands around the UK and Ireland would be. Tell me about the, the foundation of it. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Yes, we are, uh, we was formed in October of 1990, so last year was our 30th anniversary. Uh, it started off with my, my dad started it off and five friends said, let's, let's start a marching band. Uh, we was originally a bugle band. Uh, we just encouraged our friends to come. My dad did a talk at the local school, and from that, we had 30 new members arrive. Uh, there was a great, uh, I don't know, I don't know what it was on that initial conversation he did at the school assembly, but that 30 was then the, the basis for us moving forward. We've never had a set goal. We've always wanted to just keep pushing our individual boundaries and getting as good as we possibly could be. So once we became... Uh, that bugle band the next stage was to then perhaps introducing wind instruments which we did and it just grew and grew and yeah I've been involved since obviously the beginning in 1990 Uh, as my dad's got older I've taken more of an active role Uh, well always been active but now I'm the band director Uh, took over in officially in 2015 and yeah just kept moving it forward so when you say it started as a bugle band, um, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, are drum corps fans over in the US uh, and that they'd be aware of sort of drum and bugle corps in the way that they exist in the US. Uh, but a bugle band in, in the UK, that, that traditional bugle band is very different looking, isn't it? Um, what, what, what did that band look like? You're a very good interviewer, Keith. Yeah, I do apologise because I didn't say that. And it's what, you know, as individuals <laughs> in your countries, what you're used to, you just assume everybody else knows. And, yeah, so a bugle band is a B-flat bugle, what was traditionally used by the army, in the, by the Corps of Drums and cadet groups, cadet corps. My dad was in the Sea Cadets and he played a, the bugle a bit, which all it, that's all it was. Uh, and that's what that's the that's how we started off. So the bugle has... I think it's five notes traditionally that you make with your mouth yourself. You don't have any keys or anything. Uh, so it's what the last post and sunset with Ali, that type of thing, is played on. But in those early days, we was just loud. 
we had no musical expertise. It was just as loud as we could <laughs> possibly be. Loud was great. And we was quite an aggressive band because we did competitions then. And because really looking back, we didn't really know much. We just made ourselves look as smart as we possibly could be rather than concentrating on the music because we just didn't know what we was doing. And and the band, I mean, that's the one thing that, you know, if you if you Google Brentwood Imperial U Band, it's very clear that that idea of looking smart is still very much at the heart of that band. And now yeah. you've just added this idea of, of of playing at a high musical level as well. But the band has never lost that smartness, uh, it seems. Tell me about the type of marching that, that the band uh, would have done uh, back at the foundation and probably still does do. Uh, it's very much based on that military style, isn't it? As opposed to the show band sort of doing shows and halftime. That's what we sort of grew up with. I mean, we did a when dad started it we didn't really know and perhaps he didn't anything to compare it to so we'd look at the our military guys and go wow you know if only we was ever like that and that's what we've always aspired to be like uh and we have and and the, the smartness size yeah it's we, we we say now to young people when they walk around for a tour of our building i mean that was instrumental when we got our own home dad's always looked really ahead of the game and you know we was hiring school halls but that's not ideal uh, and uh 12 years ago we took our own got our own premises and that's really we've expanded because of that uh, which is one of the things that frustrates me with regards to funding of youth projects whether it's bands sports club cadets group scouts education is so important but the values we I like to think we have always done, but perhaps in the middle, in the beginning we wasn't aware, was teaching young people uh, teamwork, respect, discipline, and of course musicianship. And that teamwork, respect, discipline—if you have those fundamentals in your life, you're like you're never going to go far off, off, off wrong, are you? Really, in whatever you do, in anything. Uh, yeah. And and we've had some great alumni. You know, we're now getting second generation people into the band, uh, which is really, really nice. You know, and it's, you know, it makes me feel old. Now I'm 47 and I look and you think, you know, little Mary there <laughs> marches and looks exactly the same as her mum or he, he, her dad, you know, his dad. It's, it's fantastic to see, you know, it's, a, yeah, it's one big band family. As, as a band's is all around the world, isn't it? It's that unique club. It's so much more than the music. It's uh, that support network. when. Little Johnny's about to go to a big school in our area. He already knows people in that big school, doesn't he? That's that security aspect. And we actively encourage that those older people at band just say hello to those young people. Because when you are you are 11, 12 going to a big school, it's so important to have that comfort and security around you. Tell me a little bit about the, the age range of the band. Um, you know... If you're in a high school uh, in in the in the US, um, you're either in your middle school band or your high school band or your collegiate band, or then maybe if you're an adult, you're in your community band. Um, many bands around Europe don't have an age range. My own band here in, in the west coast of Ireland, we, we our youngest is eight and our eldest is eighty. Um, but you guys do have an age range because it is a youth band. What what do you guys consider youth? Yeah, I mean, we don't have an age where people are ever asked to leave, but we naturally have uh, people leave when they go to university or start work, even though we make it very uh, accommodating as we can be. But what what people must realise, Keith, is most people that join our band 
don't play a musical instrument when they join the band. So we start them from scratch. Uh, and that's my job is to inspire young people to be passionate about music and the different genres that are involved. And you're teaching them uh, not only about the love of music, but also how to conduct themselves when they're out on parade or when they're representing the band, you know, which is where that respect comes from. Uh, and and that, that's my role. So we're always looking at if someone joins without no musical experience, it's roughly two years before we get proper musical benefit from that person. So it's a long process. Uh, if we, we've, we have found that uh, our, we take them from 10. Uh, if it's ten, if it's less than ten for us, it, I don't know. Some some young people can, and if they've got older brothers or sisters in the band, we do sometimes allow nine year olds, or they've got uh, uh, some musical experience, or they're already playing a bit. Then we would, but most join with no musical experience, and we're just utilising uh, that that group that we've got to fulfil those different musical parts. Because one of the things that I I would say is different between us and say the drum and bugle bands in America is that the parts that we play, every instrument is playing a different part. It's that, that full sound and every part must be covered, but it's very hard to put a young kid on a tuba, for instance. You know, that takes, uh, they don't start off on a tuba. Right. It's in, most people start on a trumpet or a clarinet and then we, then we move them where we, where we see fit or where they're naturally most suited to. So it's long-term gains all the time. So, so tell me, what age would you normally start recruiting at? And uh, how? Uh, one of the questions I really like to ask uh, anyone that comes on from, you know, I had uh, interviewed uh, Wilson Tan uh, a few weeks ago from Malaysia. And I was talking to him about recruitment and how they recruit in Malaysia. And, uh, you know, it's funny seeing the similarities around the world, but also then sometimes the unique little differences that each band has and how they do their recruitment. How does Brentwood um, normally do its recruitment? But what's the most success that you've had um, in how in your recruitment? Oh, that's a, a social media is brilliant, isn't it? You know, we have right. a very, yeah. very good presence <laughs> online. Uh, my brother does that. He's got a, he's naturally gifted in that type of thing. Uh, if you're not, I'm sure your followers are on Facebook, but uh, that's Brentwood Band or on Instagram uh, and Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that that's been a really good. And it, it's more like a a softly, softly drip drip approach, really, uh, because. When you're looking at recruiting, and which we always are, there's, there's, it's not like where we say yes from January we will recruit. We'll someone could walk in on a, any Monday or Wednesday and we start them off on their band journey. Really, that 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 yeah. is unique. Uh, well, well, not completely unique, but but it is. It kind of goes slightly against the grain of what some bands do, where they have a starting date for a group of kids. It's really interesting to hear that you kind of, as kids arrive at the door, it's like, hey, come in and have, yeah. here's here's a well, corner. I, <laughs> I, I give them a tour around with their parent, mm. you know, and then we're as we're walking around, we're assessing, and I'm I'm not interviewing them, but I'm just ascertaining what type of character of a person they are. And that really decides at the end of that initially where we put them on their journey because some young people are more suited to, you can just see the characteristics. I mean, I know you was in the army The uh, and okay, I'll ask you this. Would you say the players that you've met in the army was those characteristics of those players with, in line with those instruments they was playing or not? Or, <laughs> in a, as a For team? the most 
for the most part, yeah. For the most part, the trumpet players were the outgoing uh, ones. The uh, the clarinet players were maybe a little bit more introverted. Yeah. I played clarinet and saxophone, so that pushed me into the extroverted yes, sort of really. side of things. And the drummers were the messers that couldn't find the music down Absolutely the back of the band room. It's exactly the same. <laughs> so I'm ascertaining that as we go around and then waiting to see. I mean, that's not, you know, instantly that one night. It will take yeah. a little bit of a journey. Uh, and so we've always recruited like that. Uh, it just so, and we've just drip for drip, drip fed that information out there. Bizarrely, obviously, this year it's been we haven't had any recruitment, uh, and we've made a big song and dance over the last couple of months, getting the word out there on social media about recruiting, actively recruiting. Where in the past we haven't actively recruited. But now we are. I mean, this September, we're losing 15 players to university. Hopefully those people mm. will stay involved, but it's unlikely over that period of time. It's very, very important that we continually recruit. I mean, there's over 100 in the band, uh, which is fantastic, you know, but it, you must always, because some people say, oh, you don't need to recruit, is what I hear often from other people. But, but, we, <laughs> but we do, because it's a two-year yeah. cycle, you know, of, and you're looking ahead all the time. But so, funny enough, that group that will start uh, within the weeks of us opening up again, there's 15 of them, and they vary from 10 to 12 years of age. Now, that's great. Sonny, that's a real hardcore unit. Hopefully, hopefully 10 of them will stay and make the course as such. Uh, mm-hmm. Because what happens is with a new member, first of all, they're working, they're learning their instrument to then sit, be able to sit within the band and and busk along sitting next to some a senior player who's going to guide them. They've got to get to that stage, but they're working towards their uniform. Once you're at the standard where you, we deem that you're, you can have a uniform, from that point, you're involved with everything we do. I mean, we played, uh, to, give you, and to give you an example of that, uh, Dad and I, we always try and do a recce of a gig that we're going to do, and we went off to Northampton, Rushton and Diamonds, actually, to to do a gig there. And on the way back, we had a phone call. It was on Bluetooth, so it was all allowed. The, uh, and it was uh, someone asking if we'd like to play at the O2 that weekend. And this was on the uh, Thursday. So my dad's, you know, he's very sort of old school. I was going, oh, you know, shaking his hand as if we didn't want to get involved. <laughs> I said, well, what was, who's, who's the band? And they said, the script, we want you to play one number with them. All right, what number's that? Paint the town green. Okay, how many people would you like? And, we agreed it, and then we talked about money because membership of our band still only costs one pound a week. That one pound, wow. you can come to band twice a week, and in most cases, we supply you the instrument. You know, we got baritone saxes, or baritone saxes, three thousand pound tenor tenor saxes. You know, little Johnny when he turns up doesn't get the best trumpet in the world. Obviously, you've got different <laughs> levels of instruments determined on that, but all that costs money. So as a charity we ask for a donation when we do a gig and that's determined that donation amount, how much I think we can get away with and if it's of benefit to the band. Uh, so we agreed that on the phone and I quickly put out there on our, on our Facebook group page that only the members and parents are involved with, who is available this Friday to do a band gig. And it literally was the first 30 people that said yes. I didn't say what it was. Did, did, no. Oh, you didn't tell them what no, it was. As soon as I said what it was, everyone else then suddenly made themselves available. But it was actually a girl in the band's first gig. Her first gig wow. was performing at the O2 wow. with the script in front of 20,000 people. 
I mean, she was obviously very, very nervous, but I was very confident that she would have been able to do what, what we asked her to do. And she did. She absolutely was buzzing. Yeah. And that's, you know, once you have, as you know, once you've performed at that type of gig and you've heard as a performer applause for the first ever time, I mean, what a wall of sound that hits you. It takes you a little bit, but the energy of the crowd that night for myself was like something I've never experienced before. The intensity of it, of that, of that five minute gig, it was brilliant. Yeah. It, it reminds me of of my very first gig. Um, the Arte and Band in in Ireland is 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 well known here. You know, we play in the National Stadium every weekend. So, uh, Bon Jovi came to town, bon and we all heard on the yeah, we all heard on the uh, on the radio that Bon Jovi was coming to town, and you know, opening up for Bon Jovi was the Arte and Boys Band as it was at the time. And uh, I remember kids in school telling me this and I was like, nah, like I was 12 years of age and I had just got into uniform. I had just got my very same as you guys. We had to earn our uniform yeah. there. And I just got my uniform. So I was, even if it was true, I'll never be picked. But they wanted as many kids as they possibly could get. So, yeah, my very, very, very first gig, gig was in the Royal Dublin Society uh, Stadium. Uh, for Bon Jovi playing Lay Your Hands on Me. <laughs> did, did you get to meet the guys or did you not meet the guys? How we did. We did. Yeah. We got to meet them afterwards uh, very briefly. Um, uh, and that was that was quite cool. And like our band, Larry Mullen, the drummer from U2, grew up in, in the Artem band. That's wow. There and uh, we're learning drums. So he's always had that kind of link. Is he involved? Is he? He doesn't know. He, he, he isn't. If you ever watch any uh, big U2 shows, he's normally coming out with a side drum. Very kind of unique because drummers yeah. never do that. But like he does actually come out with like a military side drum, same same as you guys use. And he has the strap on. He's not using one of those uh, harnesses or anything. He's using a traditional, he uses traditional grip, uh, which is really cool to see. So he still sort of owns some of that. Back in 1998, um, U2 were filming a video for um, The Sweetest Thing in Dublin. And uh, they wanted a military band for it. And so we got to be wow. in the a YouTube video. So if anyone is out there and would like to see uh, young 14-year-old Keith Kelly in a YouTube video, you can check out The Sweetest Thing and see if you can point out point me out. But unlike <laughs> with the script, they actually bought us a, uh, a Nando's. I bet uh, he's never bought you a Nando's, did he, Bon Jovi? No, we didn't get a Nando's. <laughs> but... The band was very impressed the, uh, with how he bought a Nando's down. And I swear. Ah, that's brilliant. And... Uh, but that's an example. What you know, we've just quickly spoken there. You know, music. You know, you, you've got artists that have been in marching bands that go to the top of their profession. Being in a band like ours and the Artane band and bands all over the world is that unique education of performing, of working towards gigs, gigs, the multi capability. You know, we're not rigid and we don't just march. You know, there's lots of things we do. The uh, Lots of different genres that we open the band to, and they're learning properly because performing is not easy. You know, we don't mm -hmm. generally do not do. I mean, we get asked all the time to do gigs, but we turn down more gigs than we actually accept because each gig we do, we work towards that. Whether introducing new music or bringing old music back in, and that's the project of. So when we do that gig, we're working as the best we can. And the only difference, uh, I would say, between us and an army band or a professional band is, of course, a professional band's much more, uh, a much better sound than us. Of course they are. But when it comes to the actual performance on some gigs, sometimes a professional band are just going through the motions, 
where bands right. like us, uh, because that's a gig we've worked towards, and that we, we, it's that little bit, I won't say better, but that little bit more unique in certain areas because of that effort is coming across a bit more. And and that's what we're trying to instill in young people, that you can switch it on like that. I mean, we went to, we do tattoos all over the world. Uh, we've been to Moscow twice. We were supposed to be in Moscow last year for the International Military uh, Music Festival, Spaskia Tower, which takes place on Red Square. We did 12 shows to six and a half thousand people each show on Red Square. Now, that was a unique experience because that wasn't just gearing up for one gig or even two gigs at the weekend. That was for 12 shows. And over those 12 shows, the band did go through different emotions. And my job was to infuse and keep that energy levels there coming across. Because once we don't have the energy levels, like the difference between us, say, and an up, say some, some gigs, that's, that's where we're... We have to do that. We have to keep that energy there and that excitement in performance, concentration. How many how many engagements or gigs would um, the, the, the Brentwood Band do in a year, do you think? We don't do no more than two a month. Uh, <laughs> and that would only be, but we don't do nothing in August. Uh, That's a- still 24 in a, in a year, potentially. And, and, and when you compare that to maybe an orchestra, uh, you know, a, a community orchestra or something, it's quite a lot. We, we don't do any uh, grant funding. When we've looked at grants available, uh, the restrictions there and, uh, you know, everyone, say like BLM, everyone talks about BLM at the moment. And obviously it's a very, very important, uh, you know, uh, cause. But we have the class system still in society, certainly in, in England. And unfortunately, marching band in our sort of society uh, being a community-based band is extremely looked upon in the art sector. It's it's a working class thing, isn't it? It's exactly. the same as the brass bands. It's it's, yeah. it's definitely the bands have always, and it's exactly the same here in Ireland. Bands have always sort of had that working class um, stigma um, that's been very hard to shake. And it's it's you know it's we're twenty twenty one and we don't talk about class as if it exists no, anymore. No, but that that definitely but it clearly is does. That factor of the uh, because. I would say an orchestra is very restricted on what it can do. We're much more. In fact, we actually had a gig last year with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra uh, at one of these proms events. They wanted our core of drums to go there and do something on the stage in the interval there. Not in the interval, during the the, the finale stages, uh, but that didn't come off. But, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I find it very frustrating. But in, in some ways, that's good because it makes me angry and more willing to fight the so-called system like that, if that makes sense. You know, it's like, yeah, let's have some of that. Let me show you what's what. It's, uh, it yeah, energizes it's, you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, let, we'll show them, the old, the posh people, what's what. But, they, you know, those people, <laughs> those people will never get it. But in fairness, that's not what we're all about. Yeah. We're just about having fun ourselves, making music, and having a good, unique thing. And when you see young people, that's what I like, seeing the young people develop. You know, a lady, a girl will walk in, she'd be very shy, or a boy would walk in very shy. But then within a relatively short period of time, say three or four years, she's one of the most, or they're one of the most active members. They're very enthusiastic. They're vocal. That's personal development. And when you see that in young people, it's brilliant. You know, I'm not a qualified teacher. Uh, but I think the teaching profession must be so rewarding 
when teachers are given the opportunity to lead how they want to. Obviously, teachers have a restrictions with uh, itineraries or syllabuses, isn't it? We don't, you see. In our band, we can do whatever we want, and we do. Right. It's whatever we want to do. You know, it's, it's up to us, isn't it? You know, what songs we want to play or the excitement or what gigs we want to it's, – it's no one's – and, you know, if we turn up, you know, we have to do risk assess or I have to do risk assessments. But the, the simple fact is, if we turned up at an event and we didn't like the look of it, we'd get on the bus and come on. It's a simple <laughs> It comes down to the, 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 the band is always first on how we operate and what we think. You know, the membership, is it going to be good for the band? You know, it's, it's, it's one of the beauties of being, being self-funded too, isn't it? That there's no uh, direction being given to you by a funding authority or by an educational board, you, you you get to kind of develop the the organisation that you want. Absolutely, I mean we was very fortunate, and it was at the time uh, we was very fortunate to be asked to do the Queen's Tea Party Parade in the Mall. Now that was that was absolutely a, a really really difficult gig to do uh, with regards to the security, with regards to the uh, the things before we had to submit. They're never changing the, the requirements, what they had they wanted us to do, the welfare of the bands being looked after. It was it was disaster, terrible. And we very nearly that week said, forget it. Very rich. It was only our band president when we discussed it with him. He said, oh, JP, he said, I really think you just got to overlook this. And and he was right. But uh, if he'd said to me, no, OK, then whatever, we would have pulled out because it's it mm-hmm. had, and it was hard work for the band. That was there, but what we got on TV with the coverage afterwards, we certainly excelled. Tell me about that link with the military bands in the UK. Is it purely uh, inspired by the military bands that are there and, and and that look of the uniform and style of marching, um, or is there a, is there a stronger link there? I, I notice your president is 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 Graham Jones, and of of course uh, he was Lieutenant Colonel with the Guards Division Bands and very well known around the world as being a, a military musician, military conductor. Um, is there a, a, a is there an ongoing link with the military in, in the UK? Well, that changes with each, uh, with each Army Band or Royal Marines as their personnel changes. Well, you know, I personally and my dad and others in the band, you know, that's what we aspire to be like. You know, when little Johnny comes in, he doesn't know really what he's doing, does he? How, how do you determine what's the end goal? Well, the end goal is to be like that. And we've been to uh, how we met Graham Jones was when we did the Zurich tattoo in 2014. And there was other professional bands there. Uh, and they asked us, because it was our first tattoo, actually, international tattoo. They said, could you play for 10 minutes? And it was like, okay, is that 10 minutes from the month we step off to the month we step, you know, go off there in exactly what is the criteria? And we did exactly what we was asked to do. Some bands went 10 minutes over their 10-minute display. Well, if you're organising a tattoo, that's disastrous because it's all mm. time-linked and things. And at the debrief after that, he sung our praises, you know, and that's the difference, I think, perhaps with our military is, is you, are, you ask them what the gigs... It's just so efficient. So we, And mm. we ended up taking a senior role on our first international tattoo on the actual arena display. Uh, and that really is down because of the, I know you're of, of Irish, uh, an Irish defence force, but our, our, our military around the world, 
it, it, I, I don't want to say it's superior, but I think it's on a different tangent to others. You know, I mean, yeah. certainly when it comes to ceremonial work, exactly, I mean, yeah. I just, I just don't think there's anyone um, that can stand to the to what the British Army does and the British military. Yeah. Um, they have defined to uh, to me in my life. They defined what a military band and what a marching band should look like. Um, yeah. So I'm I, I'm I'm totally okay for you to sing the praises of the British yeah. military here on my yeah. podcast, yeah, <laughs> even though I am honestly, Irish. Uh, yeah, and what happens? And what happens is 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 in this country you now music and it will perhaps around the world. I mean, I look at America with great envy how music over there is so embraced and they understand fully the many benefits that are involved of that. But in this country, it's, it's very expensive to learn an instrument. Like I say, ours mm-hmm. is only a pound a week, uh, and parents realise that. Uh, but what do we? How do we then move forward? Well, if you look at the armed forces in this country, certainly in this country, they're not getting the recruitment that they need. So it makes perfect sense for them to reach out to us, and really just drip feed that information to the younger members about this is possibly a course if you want to have a career as a as a professional musician. This could be the path for you. And I'm and I'm sure, uh, John Paul, that the military when they're when they're recruiting probably look at a graduate of the the Brentwood Imperial Youth Band and maybe a graduate of you know a conservatoire of music who's an excellent musician. It's probably the Brentwood kid that is probably the better recruit there because they understand what it is to be in a military band. And you know, yes, musical excellence is part of it, but there's a there's a much bigger part of being a a military performing musician absolutely so uh, you're absolutely right so but so they're now reaching out to us and like i say i'm 47 and some of the people actually i'm on the verge of becoming perhaps a little bit older but the people that i'm chatting to in the military in those military bands are of similar sort of age to me and you know it's interesting for them you know we've already arranged uh, our first gig that we have this year is going to be a proms in the park type scenario, but at a senior school, which is what a high school is, a senior school, us and them performing to the young people of that school, their parents and some selected guests. We're predicting the audience to be over a thousand. And then that's ideally place for us to recruit uh, new members from. And we're doing that with us and the British Army Band Colchester, which then helps them for recruitment because they have certain criteria that they have to fulfil. They're working with us. They're recruiting to other people in the local area. Great. Uh, and we've already spoken to them about, you know, I've got when I lose those 15 to university this September, I've got that next group that I've got to get them bonded together. So we've already had talks about perhaps visiting them for a day at their local barracks, which is uh, 30 miles away from us. Uh, in Colchester uh, for for a day in the October half term. You know, we're always thinking ahead and that would be very exciting for those new members that are about to join to be sitting on a coach for the first time, you see, because sitting yeah. on a coach is all part of that excitement of a gig, isn't it? They're having a sing song, you know, it's it's totally unique, that, that band coach experience. Tell me what the last year has been like then. You made mention of uh, not being able to do much recruitment and, and really your first gig of the year of the year is coming up later in the year. Um, have you been able to do any Zoom lessons, any virtual activities over the last 12 months or has, has that kind of not really happened? So as a band, we only ever, we practice on a Monday and a Wednesday. We don't rehearse Bank Holiday Mondays. Uh, and the only time we actually closed uh, is for Christmas. 
and that was only for two weeks. Every other in the summer holidays, the school holidays, we are we are working. You know, we are practicing. We don't not rehearse. So to suddenly last when was that in uh, whenever it was the first the first lockdown? Yeah, it was very much a baptism of fire. We tried. We had a group Zoom call. Uh, everybody. But it was horrendous. I'm not really a techie person, really. And we correctly worked out, you know what, it's better. We just all, it's, yeah, we, we we didn't do any that. We just interacted yeah. with everybody on the Facebook groups, messages and things, you know, get that get that kind of thing, but not any playing. Uh, then when we went back to band after the first lockdown, we, you know, we have got great facilities. It's it's really, it really is superb. Um, we was able to get the band back on one night each. So. One group came on a Monday, one came on a Wednesday, uh, and then as soon as we could get outside marching, uh, we then could more of us could meet together. So it was very restricted on that. It was very hard because everyone was just sitting down. There was no interacting, you know, at break time. It's very important. You know, we work very hard. We rehearse very hard. And it's very important as the adults in charge that we realise that they must have that downtime, even in a two-hour rehearsal. They must have that time to interact and speak to their friends. But the band done brilliantly, very, very disciplined in that just sitting in the same chair and not being next to your friend, but your friend being two metres away. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't say it was good. And last year we did have a great year planned. It was going to, you know, it had been a cycle. We had, uh, We did have a particularly good band, you know, of the age groups and experience within that young group. And we did have some really good events planned, but onwards and upwards, we've now seen the light at the end of the tunnel. That light at the end of the tunnel is getting bigger and bigger. In a, next uh, Sunday, actually, we will be our first outdoor gig because in the UK, if you're a sport, you can meet. Well, do you know what? Marching band is a sport. <laughs> exactly. Really We're making the same band. argument here. <laughs> yeah, well, it is not even an argument, is it? It is a sport. You know, it's a, how do you determine it's not a sport? I don't get I don't understand that, but. You know, we're, what do they say in the US? Uh, the drum corps all say athletes in the arts. I think that's oh, absolutely like that. right. Yeah. If PC Plot turns up next Sunday, I might very well use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, John Paul, it's been great having you um, uh, talking talking about this, and, and so so great to talk about a band that was so similar to the the, the type of band that I grew up into. Um, best of luck with the with the rest of the year. Uh, can't wait to see the Brentwood band back at a tattoo um, in the future. When are you coming over to the UK? When are you coming over to the UK? I, I will be there as soon as I can get out of this country. <laughs> as soon as they let me out. Yeah, you'll have to come and up the band room. You know, there is a fantastic energy in our band room when it's all there. When, when any gr large group of people, but particularly young people, are all pulling in the same direction, that is a buzz. Like, well, you know that buzz, you know, and... Yeah, it's superb. Thank you ever so much for being interested and allowing the Brentwood Imperial Youth Band to be profiled on your show. Uh, I didn't know, I, I, I've never met you before, I didn't know what you was going to be like, but what a nice bloke you seem to be, Keith. So, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And listen, where can people, I know I've made mention of it earlier on, but where can people find out more about the, the band? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Facebook is the better, uh, the better on our social media, Instagram and Twitter. We try and get younger members in the band to partake and, and lead the way on that. And perhaps that sometimes that, that is a bit sporadic. But the Facebook Brentwood, uh, Brentwood Band. Uh, and likewise, as you mentioned, our website earlier on, the Brentwood, Brentwood Youth Band.org.uk. 
although incredibly that's being updated at the moment you know that's another example we're always looking from that business aspect to keep on top of the game so if our it guy gets his finger out that could be our new updated <laughs> website as well that's worth a look on its own because he assures me it's going to be top of the top of the tree it's going to be yeah brilliant john paul thank you so much thank you keith thank you Thank you so much to JP for joining me on this week's episode. I very much look forward to seeing the Brentwood Youth Imperial Band at the next tattoo that I visit. I'll be back next week talking to more great guests from around the band world, so head over to wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you subscribe. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with me on Facebook and Instagram at Global Bandroom and on our website, globalbandroom.com. So until then, stay safe and I'll see you back in the bandroom.